Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. What's up and welcome back to The Coaching Show. And you probably noticed this is a different voice. This is the voice of Alex Terranova. Usually I am the co-host with Christopher McAuliffe, but Christopher is not here today. So we had no one to shout out to Dick Warren and, <laughs> and do all those things that Christopher usually does, but that's okay. We like change, right? Where coaches are all about change. And this is the coaching show. Uh, I want to quickly uh, just give a shout out and a thanks to Accomplishment Coaching, the coaching show's longtime sponsor. Accomplishment Coaching is the world's finest training program. It is the Harvard of coach training. Um, it is located in San Diego, Seattle, Victoria, BC, Chicago, New York, and Washington, DC. Christopher would be so proud. I just nailed all those. Uh, you can check accomplishmentcoaching.com to see where there are observations in all those cities. So you can actually sit in and observe the program. There is no nothing like that anywhere else in any high-level leadership coach training program where you can just sit in and observe. And I'm personally a Huge fan of accomplishment coaching because I wouldn't be sitting here without it. I did the program about five years ago and it totally changed my life. And my guest co-host today used to be the co-host. I dethroned her, took her spot. <laughs> Listen, she gave I it handed to me. it over. Oh, okay. There we go. Uh, you're hearing the voice of Clarice Conley. Clarice is a coach. She is now living in Portland, Oregon. I'm living in Portland. So we can talk about what's going on up there. Um, Clarice, you're an accountability coach. You support, uh, you, let me see, you you talk to or work with people on emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and you support those who have been diagnosed with herpes. Mm -hmm. You are also um, in your fourth year of coaching and I think, you know, you're a good friend and a colleague and we've known each other for about four years. Mm -hmm. It's fun to do this with yeah, you. Yeah, what's up? absolutely. I'm so excited to take over while uh, dad's away <laughs> and interview this it amazing guest. Like that, right? um, I, I can't even believe that you stepped over this, though, because you finished accomplishment coaching, because you went through accomplishment coaching, you've now recently produced what? Like, how are we not sharing about this? Yeah, so in my for in my year of accomplishment coaching, it's a year long program, I declared that I would write a book. And I, I'd wanted to write a book, I'd had ideas for a book. And it was the first time that I really felt courageous enough to say right at the beginning of that year, like, I will write a book. And it took a little longer than expected. Um, I didn't apply myself and have all the commitment, but I did learn how to do it. I don't want to say like the how to write a book, because that's not what accomplishment coaching teaches you. But in the who I needed to be to actually mm -hmm. create it. And my book, Fictional Authenticity, came out um, about two weeks ago. So you can get it on good. Amazon. And you you checked it out. What was your what did what was your favorite part? Um yes. I I really liked I literally liked how you set people up to really identify their fish, like fictional authentic life. And I think that that really helps to kind of give you a different perspective on like how life has gone for you and the um it's kind of like I mean I feel like I grew up with this like scarlet letter <laughs> as a kid you know I was a little more uh sexually deviant and then it's kind of like life gave me this like quote-unquote real scarlet letter so it was really 
easy to kind of hear myself in your book and, and what you were writing and really kind of identify, you know, a, a new lens to be able to see that, you know, I'm absolutely not defined by my, you know, fictional, authentic um, character and that it's just kind of a way to just just see it in a different light. I thought that was really empowering. Thanks. Yeah, I, I, I think we, and we all do that, right? Like it doesn't have to be, we, you know, we become some version of what we thought we were going to be as a kid or we become the opposite. You and I were talking about this after you, you were sharing this with me. Um, and I can see it, you know, and the story shared, the book shares my version of that where at 32, I was like, whoa, I don't know who I am. I'm a compilation of media influences and sports influences and pop culture influences and who my parents told me I shouldn't be. I went the opposite way there and I became this thing, but it wasn't like real, but I thought it was real. And I think that we all do that in some way, shape or form. So that's thanks for sharing. And it's cool that you got something from yeah, it. Yeah. And I wanted to, it's like the perfect segue for our guest because, um, I feel like when you turn 30, there's kind of that, uh, like, who am I and how am I doing? So we have Carrie Spalding on because she's going to talk to us a lot about that got some, like, got 30 something panic. And the 30 something coach is Carrie Spalding. She's a professional certified coach credentialed by the International Coach Federation. Carrie specializes in helping 30 somethings break through the 30 something panic and create the careers, the relationships, and the lives that they want. With her dynamic, engaging spirit, Carrie helps her coaching clients move from 30 what to 30 wow. Whether you're looking to change careers, find a partner, make a big move, or thrive in your current career and relationships, Carrie is ready to support you. And she's a former educator, a professional improviser with 18 years of experience performing, teaching, and directing improvisation professionally. Carrie brings a host of tools and a breadth and depth of experience to her practice and continually draws from her improvisation, performance, and educational backgrounds to enhance her coaching presence and impact. In addition to private coaching, Carrie facilitates powerful group trainings and events, workshops come alive, and Carrie helps organize Organizations, teams, and individuals achieve their personal and professional growth with her creative, experiential, and outside-of-the-box approach. Welcome, Carrie. Thank you. It's so great to be with you all today. And yeah, I couldn't have really asked for a better segue into 30-something panic than that description of, whoa, wait a minute, I don't know who I am. I'm 32 years old, and I became this thing, and it's not actually me. Um. I, I got to give a shout out to Clarice. That was incredible how you just improvised that in, you know, that, that introduction. That was like, <laughs> that was in, I uh, set this uh, all up. Just say it. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie, how, how did you get, like, what was the moment that you, for you, that you, like, if we, if we look at that through the lens of the book, um, did you, can you see something like that was like this life that you thought was authentic and then you realized that, oh my God, I'm actually just living a version of what I thought I was supposed to be or the opposite of what I thought mm. I was supposed to be. Yeah. So that was not my experience. It is the experience of many of my clients. My 30 something panic looked a little different and it, there are common flavors of 30 something panic. There are themes and people 
can tend to fall into some different camps. For me, I, I had a really good job that I was really good at, and it was not the kind of job that was ever going to be bad. And for some people, it's actually harder to change when things are good in a lot of ways. I find a lot of my clients like me, you know, if you have a lot of those boxes checked and there's a lot of things that are great, it's actually a lot harder to push yourself to listen to the voices in your head that are saying, there's something different or something's not quite right, or you need to get more intentional. And that was really the situation for me. It's almost easier for people, I think, where you have that total, you're living the wrong life. But for me, I was a teacher and I was at a school that allowed me to really pour through my essence, a lot of who I was, it was making an impact. Um, and I was going through what I kind of call a perfect storm when I have a client who they've got career change stuff swimming around in their heads, they've got relationship stuff happening. I fortunately didn't actually have the geography part. I was really happy where I was living in Philadelphia at the time. And I, I was waking up in the morning and having those flashes of, of feelings of, wait a minute, this doesn't feel, there's something that's not quite right. And I was noticing all my colleagues, or not all of them, but many of them opting to go to grad programs and advance and do more things around education. And I was really confused because I didn't feel the instinct to do that. And I'd always identified as a learner and somebody who you know, doesn't ever just do the bare minimum. And it's not that I was doing the bare minimum with my students, but I just didn't, I didn't have a vision of myself um, continuing to engage in more education on that path and everything. And that really concerned me. And I, I kept having this thought, I don't want to wake up. It's so hilarious to say this now because it's much closer than it was at the time. But I would say, I don't want to wake up when I'm 40 still being a teacher because I just kept being a teacher. If I wake up when I'm 40 and I'm a teacher, I want it to be because I decided to do that. And so it was a long process for me of continually getting those intuitive um, sort of obnoxious whispers that something wasn't quite right. And it took a while before I finally decided to listen to that and really take responsibility for getting intentional about what I wanted to do with my life instead of allowing myself to just kind of continue on the path I was on. I love it. Cause you actually like really, <laughs> my story is exactly the same. The like checking all the boxes, doing all the things. And then that moment happened, but like the, the realizing that I was playing it a certain way, what gave you the courage like, is there something that gave you the courage to become a coach? Because that's a, a lot of coaches out there. Second fastest growing industry in the world. Yeah, I, I well, it, this, and this is partly why I work with the people I work with is because I really cobbled together my own <laughs> courage map, I think. And I had a lot of support that I sought out along the way, but I, you know, I was grabbing every book I could get my hands on and about careers, about personal development, about all of these things. And I was doing my own work. And I, I had this interesting awareness at some point 
it's it seems like I'm more interested in this stuff than a quote unquote normal person would be. <laughs> like I'm interested in it for my own change, but I found myself just geeking out about all of these um, these topics, which was definitely foreshadowing that I was a future coach now that I look back. Um, and so I got a lot of courage from the process of, of that. I kind of created a lot of tools for myself to try to figure things out. I used the tools that I could find. And some of these are the types of things that I use with my clients now. And then um, once I, I had a really clear, intuitive um, moment where I knew that coach training was something that I should do. And I didn't know at the time that it was going to lead to becoming a coach full time. In fact, I, I really didn't even consider the possibility um, in any real way. And I just knew that it was the next step and that at minimum, it would make me an even better teacher. And who knew? I knew there might be a change on the horizon. I might do other work where I could use it. And then my first day of coach training, I sat in the classroom feeling like I'd been hit in the head with a brick. Actually, no, it wasn't the first day. It was the third, it was like the, the final day of the first module of training. And I just was sitting there stunned as I waited for everyone to come back from lunch because I suddenly realized, oh my God, they made a job for who I am. And mm -hmm. I, it, it, that was exactly how it came to me. And it sounds exciting and it, it was but it was more troubling <laughs> because it meant that I was going to turn my life completely upside down. And I knew in that moment that I was going to be leaving teaching. And sure enough, a few months later, I was in, in the head of school's office telling her I wouldn't be coming back the following year. And, um, and then in my coaching program, I, I had co a lot of coaching and coaching is a huge part of what allowed me You talk about courage to go from that knowing to, oh, wait, actually, it, it, it's, not, it's not that I just need to do a lot of this. It's that this is what I need to be doing full time. And, oh, no, that means I have to open a business. <laughs> and people like me don't open businesses, right? Like at the time, I just never even thought about that. And, and it was such a bizarre thought. And so working with coaches through my coach training I absolutely credit that to helping me look into the fear of, um, you know, leaving a very, as, as secure a job as anything actually is and go, setting out to, to do this on my own. And I mean, I, 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 it's amazing to look back on it now because to be totally honest, there are days when I look back on past Carrie and I'm sort of like, how did you do that? Like, how on earth did you do that? That's really scary. That's really hard to leave something that you love and have, have success at and are in a, a good community. How did you possibly find the courage to, to do this? Um, and it's, it's one of those things where you both know how you did it and you also can kind of marvel at that version of yourself who somehow uh, got there. <laughs> and I'm grateful I to her. I really love your sharing your story because when I hear sort of this, like um, when people get to this place of like, I need to change my life, I've always thought that it had to be like a pain point. Like mine was very clearly maybe about 26, 27. And I was like, wow, I'm about to turn 30. And I literally have nothing to show for it. And I th started to like panic 
And then it wasn't until I actually got diagnosed with herpes that I woke up to like, whoa, I thought life was about finding the one and settling down. And now like, how will I ever find that? And it really turned everything upside down for me. And then that is what led me, like all the personal development books led me to become a coach to realize like I can actually create who I am. So I've never actually heard someone be like, wow, life was actually perfect. And then I decided to change everything. And I, I honor that. That's really amazing. I think my pain was so excruciating that it was like a complete wake up call. And I'm curious, like from this place, like how did you identify or how do you identify this 30 something panic so people Mm -hmm. can kind of hear this, you know, podcast and identify like, oh, is that what's happening? Yeah. And let me clarify. So by far, I would never say everything was perfect. It was, um, so we all have our our values, right? The things that if those boxes are checked in general, if our values are being met, that's when we feel happy. And when those values aren't being met or when there are two high values that are in conflict with each other, that's when we tend to have stress and unhappiness and all of those things. And for me, I just, there were some of those key boxes that were checked really strongly. Um, and I wasn't recognizing myself as the fully alive, confident, um, motivated to continue hungrily learning person that I was. And it it was really tough. I mean, so I, and I want to clarify that because I love what you said about your story and it, it, there are really different ways that it can, can come to be Mm. sometimes Mm people who are, are going through 30 something panic the way I was, it's a, just, it's a slower burn. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I do work with a lot of people who show up and say, I have been thinking about making this kind of phone call or sending this kind of email to start working on this for five years now, for seven years now. Um, because when that pain is drawn out and doesn't necessarily even totally make sense, like it, it can be really, people have guilt, right? It's like, I have a good job at a time when some of my friends don't even have work. How dare I not be grateful for that? Or, you know, people who have partners or kids who are relying on them financially, there's a, a, a real stress that can come up with the idea of, you know, my life is good enough. And that's, I think the difference is that you get one life, one unrepeatable life. And it is much easier to remain in the known, even if the known is not truly fully fulfilling you and not as great as it could be, than it is to risk going into the pain of the unknown and giving up all these good things that you do have. So it becomes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not as happy as I should be. That word should, right? Like there's something that I, I don't feel that I should feel. Or um, something that Alex, you said earlier, like we become a version of who we thought we'd be. You can, you can become a quote unquote successful person and you can do all the things you were supposed to do and end up in a, a great job and you can still feel unhappy. And so it's just not quite as dramatic and, and um, crisis oriented as Clarice, what you were talking about happened mm-hmm. to you, um, mm-hmm. but it's almost more insidious because it's, it doesn't hit you over the head. Mm. You have to be willing to live. I think one of the bravest things that anybody, any of us can ever do 
is to listen to the information that we're getting for, from ourselves. Thanks because, for really making that really clear. Oh yeah. Cause I think it's important that people, you know, recognize all the different ways that this can show up. And so as far as what 30 something panic is, you know, it, that feeling of, Oh my God, I thought I would have figured all of this out by now, or I should have figured all of this out by now. I, you know, most of us as children consciously or unconsciously, when we think about 30, that's, a, that's the age of a real grown up, right? Like real with a capital R grown up with a capital G. Um, and we have this image of ourselves, even if it's not clear that obviously we're going to have certain things together at that point. And interestingly, we're, you know, the people, my, my, particular moment in history, generation of 30-somethings, we grew up with the old picture of you're going to get a job with a company, you're both going to be loyal to each other, you're going to get steadily promoted, you're going to be straight, you're going to have two and a half kids, you're going to buy a house, you know, you're going to have a partner. Um, and, and we grew up with that old picture, but never into it, because everything changed. People who are coming up true millennials, you know, they, they, came up already seeing that, that that idea of loyalty and having that kind of a career, that that wasn't a given. And so you have people coming at the 30s in different ways. And I think it's also important to acknowledge that, that you know we all have a different picture, but none of us really imagine that we're gonna get to our 30s and not have quote unquote, it all figured out. And, I'm, oh, go ahead. I'm terrified. I'm terrified over here because I'm like, Tail end. I, I, I thought I, I thought I'd have a whole bunch of money by the time I was like I thought I'd be rich by the time I was thirty, but <laughs> I didn't think I'd be a grown up by the time <laughs> I was thirty. Uh, and I'm listening to you, and I'm like, oh man, to me in my mind, this sounds like forty five, fifty. I got like a good ten years <laughs> before all of a sudden I hit the thirty something panic as a almost fifty year old because I don't want to grow up because the idea of growing up sounds scary and boring and what happens when people grow up, which is, I bet you could, like this identifies, I was looking at your website, it's like our, you know, as you quote unquote grow up, your body changes, your hair gets gray, you know, you have responsibilities that you didn't have. I've just, uh, I wonder how many people, right, have done the same, like push it off, like I deflect it mm -hmm. and have it like, oh, that's going to be later. That'll be closer to 50 for me. Yeah. And, I and, and these things, they can happen, of course, but the basics of the types of things that people panic about, <laughs> to put mm -hmm. it very negatively, right? Mm -hmm. Of course, there are also things that are wonderful about life, career or purpose or, you know, contribution, whatever you mm -hmm. want to call that bucket, um, mm -hmm. expression of, of yourself in the world, your relationships, uh, your home, whatever, however you define home. These things are the same things that we're working on and caring about in our 20s and our 30s or 40s or 50s mm -hmm. or 60s. Um, they just take on a different flavor in different periods of life. And a lot of times what happens with people who are dealing with 30-something panic is this idea that it's time to get your act together. Um, mm -hmm. And if I was in my 20s, this would be fine. But, oh, my gosh, what if it doesn't happen, quote, unquote, in time? And we can work ourselves into a big panic. Some of it does have mm -hmm. to do with, um, you know, biology and the idea of, for many people, the kid's question is a really tough one in your 30s. Either 
not being certain if you want children or being afraid that you're not, you know, knowing that you don't want to do that on your own and being afraid that you may not find the right partner in time. Um, but so there's a lot of different factors that can come into it and absolutely different people hit it at different times. I hear from 28 year olds probably more often than any other age <laughs> because people write to me and they say, I'm probably the only coach who the first sentence is very often an identifier of I'm not 30, but, um, or I'm 34 and, but I hear from a lot of 28 year olds who say, I'm not there yet, but I'm starting to panic because for many people, there is an idea that by the time I'm there, I'm going to have taken care of certain things. And, um, and, you know, for some people it's, it maybe one area is feeling really great and another area it's, it's something else, you know, so somebody could be feeling really fulfilled professionally and be really struggling in the relationship realm or, or vice versa. I, I really love that because I think the way that I viewed it or approached it was calling it the American dream. Like so many commercials, so many TV shows, they like pump the white picket fence, the two beautiful children, the like attractive housewife and the, you know, and it's like, do you have the American dream? And you see it in social media and everywhere. It's just coming at you all the time. And then you're kind of like, oh my gosh, I'm nowhere close to, you know, what everybody feels like I should have. How do you find people that are sort of feeling like they're not um, making the American dream or they you know, are starting to feel the pressures of the 30 something panic. Like how do you build your client and meet clientele and mm-hmm. meet those people? Uh, yeah, all kinds of ways. Um, so I, I find that if I'm actually physically with another human being uh, and I say, well, I help people with 30 something panic, uh, uh, very often immediately there, I don't need to explain what that is you know, the face says it all. Like either it's, I have that, or do you have a card? I think I need to give it to my sister or, you know, my kid or whatever. Um, so there is so often when you're, when you're looking for support, what you want is to find a coach who you feel like gets it, understands on some core level, some, some point of, of resonance with you, right? It may not be content. It might be this person just speaks my language or there's something in this vibe. And so when people find me, it, it may be through meeting them in person. Maybe I do have a website with a blog and, and a lot of articles. Many people find me that way. I now get a lot of my clients through referrals. So in the very mm-hmm. beginning, Um, I would get, you know, my first clients were either people who knew me or people who knew people who knew me and also my, from my blog, right? So I had a blog and I was writing articles and it was, it was that way. And now I get a lot of referrals from past clients and from other coaches. So I'm very, um, very active in the ICF community. I've been a member of the International Coach Federation since I began coaching. And that's just been a really important thing to me. And never, honestly, truly, never with an eye towards uh, getting business, Mm -hmm. but always with the side benefit of that happening, you know, because you Mm -hmm. build relationships with your colleagues and you, you know, if you have a certain amount of credibility and you're good at what you do, and they have somebody who, who needs someone who, who is exactly plugged in where you're plugged in, 
um, you just become the natural person that they think of. So I still get a number of referrals that way. And I also, um, I, you know, I'm a big, I, I, I speak and I train and I'm a big believer in the multi, what I call a multi-win mindset, which, um, which I also foster in my clients. I think this is really important for anyone, but it is a big part of how I've built my business is this idea that anything you do in life, whether you consider it a professional event, a personal event, you can choose to take the attitude that there will always be a win and that you just don't know what that win is going to be. You plant seeds, you don't know which ones are gonna sprout and how. And so, you know, I'm, I'm currently a nomad. I'm living all over the United States and Canada and I meet people in all different places all the time. And if I was attached in any given moment to this person is going to become a friend or this person is going to become um, a client or this person is gonna be a coaching colleague where I'm gonna be able to partner, I would probably be disappointed a lot of the time. But because I have this multi-win mindset, because I allow each interaction to organically become what it's supposed to be, I end up having fantastic professional connections, fantastic personal connections, referrals, people who find me for coaching. And I, I really do credit a lot of my success to taking that attitude. It's not, I, I think when you hear about that, you can think, oh, so you're just wishy-washy and you just don't have any strategy and you just, and, and I would really argue with, with that interpretation of it. It's very, it's almost, I think the best strategy a person could have because when we get attached to one kind of win, that's when we set ourselves up to fail and that's when we get grumpy and that's when we tell ourselves it's not working right and how motivated are you to go out into the world if if you only have one way to win um so that that's i think the most powerful thing i can offer you in terms of how how those people have come to me is that mindset this is a a perfect organic segue right into a break um Carrie, we're going to come back and I know we want to get into like your thoughts and opinions on social media and blogs and networking and all these kind of ways that coaches are using or not using and your thoughts on them and how they've worked or not worked for you. Um, I This is The Coaching Show. Uh, I am Alex Terranova, subbing in for Christopher McCullough. And our guest co-host today is the amazing Clarice Connolly. Mm-hmm. You can find her at youraccountability.coach. And our guest today is Carrie Spaulding, and Carrie is the 30-something coach, and you can find her at carriespaulding.com, and it's spelled C-A-R-R-I-E-S-P-A-U-L-D-I-N-G.com. And we'll see you guys back in a minute. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McCullough brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcCullough.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcCullough.com. 
Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. What's up? Welcome back to The Coaching Show. I am Alex Terranova, subbing in for, you know, the MCC, he has to say it that way, Christopher McAuliffe. And our guest host today, our guest co-host today is Clarice Conley. What's up, Clarice? Hello, hello. And you guys can find Clarice at youraccountability.coach. Our guest today is the 30-something coach, Carrie Spaulding. Thanks for being here, Carrie. So happy to be with you. I, I I kind of segued a little bit right at the at the end of the, right before the break that I wanted to touch on social media blogs networking and I know this is like really for the coaches out there listening. Um, I find that when I meet young coaches, when I meet coaches that are a bit more seasoned than their like forties, fifties, they're not necessarily as attached. But when I meet young coaches in their twenties and their thirties, they they're very attached to like their social media presence and who they are and getting hired on social media. Do you have any like thoughts, feelings about that? Yeah, I think, you know, when I, I remember when I started coaching, there's so much to learn about coaching. There's so much to learn about the business side of things and how do I find and attract my first clients. And the amount of uh, information that you have coming at you saying, you need this, you've got to get your Instagram, you've got to have a blog, how to rock your, you know, your permission marketing and all of these things. You have to have this, you have to have that. It can be super overwhelming. And I think that one of the challenges is that you have all of these people who are offering training to new coaches to tell them how to succeed at attracting clients. And I'm inclined to believe that the majority of these people are coming from a place of integrity and truly believing, I have cracked the code, this is what you need to do. And that's because that's what worked for them, you know? So there's Mm -hmm. value to all of these tools. And absolutely, I know someone, I have a dear coaching colleague who I went through training with and we've just remained very good friends. And she has absolutely killed it on Instagram. She's built such a huge following. It's how she markets everything. Uh, and she's just, it's been a joy to watch her go from, I don't know, 10 followers to however many she has now. And yet, do I believe that the key to being successful as a coach is to get amazingly good at Instagram? N- no, not necessarily. I think that 
what I have allowed to guide me and what's been most successful for me is to choose the things that I feel good at and engaged with in a genuine way. And I, I like to write. I'm writing is something that uh, comes naturally to me. It doesn't mean that it's not hard work, but it, 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 it isn't hard for me to feel inspired to write something. And so blogging for me was a natural fit because I had things to say and people that I wanted to help. And I wanted to start adding value right away when I was a brand new coach and put content out there that was going to help people. And that was also going to help people find me and know that I was the coach who could help them. Um, do I think every coach should have a blog? Absolutely not. I mean, I don't want to say no, they shouldn't. What I want to <laughs> say is that nobody should feel like that's the only way to succeed. Um, same with Facebook, same with anything else. If there's a type of social media that's completely um, a, just a big turnoff to you, it's something that you get a really negative energy uh, when you interact with it you really, you have two options. You can either decide to get better at it and deal with whatever fears are coming up. And a lot of times it's just not knowing, you know, like we can panic when we don't, when we don't understand how something works, or you can choose to put your energies into something that doesn't feel like that to you and see how it goes, you know? And, and what I've seen is that coaches who consistently add value on any type of platform and are, are authentic in doing so, tend to find people, tend to attract people. Um, I'm not trying to say this as somebody who's conducted extensive research on the subject. <laughs> this is more just my own experience. Um, what I hear you really talking about is just like being authentic. Like if it speaks to you, go with it. And if it doesn't, like don't make yourself wrong for not having a blog. Like that might just not be your thing. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just smart to put your energy into, you know, if you think in images and you are naturally really good at and actually derive energy from connecting in that way, Instagram might be just a great way for you to go. Um, and, and if you love a lot of that engagement that happens on Facebook, that could be a perfect way for you to build up rapport with people. I'm not saying don't ever push yourself to do anything outside of your comfort zone. I certainly have uh, engaged on various platforms that are that take a lot more energy for me than others. Um, but why not at least start with diving in really deep to your strengths? Start there and um, it, <laughs> and then see, see where your extra time or inclination is. And oftentimes you'll use those other platforms to share things from, from the place that you feel strongest. What I don't like is new coaches being bombarded with messages that are fear-based. You know, you're never going to be successful if you don't learn how to do social media. I just, I, I don't, that's a value difference for me with the way that I think we need to engage with each other and encourage people and, who are just coming into this world. And how do you see social media playing into, you know, the, this 30 something crisis? Like how, how does, how does this work in? To that, well, the the vast majority of people that I work with, whether you would know it or not, if you knew them out in the world, tend to be incredibly hard on themselves, and there can be a lot of self judgment and comparison that happens for most of us when it comes to thirty something panic, and you know, 
Facebook, Instagram, these are like every individual's personal PR machine where we see the version of another person that they've chosen to show us. And we tend to compare our insides to other people's outsides. So 30 something panic, if you're dealing with this um, sense that you haven't figured it out by now, you should have figured it out by now. And then meanwhile, you're on Facebook and you're scrolling through and you're seeing all your friends having babies or getting married or going on their beautiful vacation. And like, you know, those, I know, you know, you can picture the pictures I'm talking about with like the, the drink on the beach and the perfect water. And you're just, you see these things and if they hit you at a vulnerable moment, it's really easy to tell yourself the story that not only are you not where you should be, but that other people have figured it out and you haven't, and there's something wrong with you. And what I can tell you from working with a lot of people who have social media that makes life story is that everybody has challenges. And in reality, our social media is just one side of us, but it can really fuel the fire. And um, recognizing that social media is a curated view of our lives is something that most of us do cognitively. Like we understand that, we, we logically know that, but when we're waking up at three in the morning in a panic about where our lives are, we're not really driven by that logic. It's more coming from a place of, of um, that, that real vulnerable emotional place. So I think it, 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 it also can be a great tool Right. So, uh, you know, the fact that there are 30 somethings all over the world who have read articles that I've written and can reach out to me and say, oh, my gosh, that's the thing that I have. That's a beautiful thing that we have um, tools that allow people to find the encouragement and support and tools they need to get into action and get out of just staying in that panic mode. It, it's a really wonderful thing. But you need to be um strategic about your intake of social media and be able to recognize what am i putting in my mind what am i putting in my heart and is it supporting me or is it actually just fueling fueling those scary voices in my right. head right if you were if so if you're listening right and and you're identifying like oh i'm in the 30 something panic or you know i know clients that are in the 30 something panic, like then what? Like, what do, what do you do now? If, if they're self-identifying, if they're feeling like, oh yeah, I'm absolutely in that. Like, where do they go from here? What's mm -hmm. next? What happens? Yeah, so the first, the first thing is really to give yourself some credit for listening to yourself and acknowledging that you're getting that information from yourself. I, it took me a long time and it was really hard and really scary to actually acknowledge this is there's a gap between what I want and where I am. And to do that in a way that uh, is is really open and honest and looking it in the face instead of trying to shove it under the rug and you know get out of pint of Ben and Jerry's and and get on Netflix, which is another way that we can deal with that information from ourselves. Um, and then, you know, I found that no matter who I'm working with and no matter what the details of their 30 something panic is, there's two things that people really need to do 
to actually lay the foundation for the big changes. And the first is to really name and own and accept what what it, the current situation is and, and what it is that you're wanting and where the gap is to really mm-hmm. get that at all on the table. And that's the first step that I work on with, with new clients is helping them really lay that out and declare it, right? Name, own, and accept. This is, this is happening and I, it's not going away. Um, and then the next thing is to make a decision to, to, go through the process that you need to, to get where you want to be and to really declare, you know, game on, this is happening. I don't know how I'm going to move to that next step, but I know that I am going to do it. The power of decision. And this is not just like, woo woo, you know, I cannot talk enough about how powerful this concept has been in my own life and my own success. The power of decision level energy is Mm. so tremendous. Mm -hmm. The difference between saying it would be nice if, or I hope that I can figure it out and saying, I've decided that I'm going to create a career that feels good for me. Like that's happening. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, And so when, when things are quote unquote good enough, humans will do anything to avoid the pain of uncertainty and change. And so when we can make that kind of declaration to ourselves and say, you know, this is it, like game on, I'm doing it, um, something magical happens. And that that is really the first step, the very, very first thing to do. On a more um, uh, sort of tangible level, one of the things that is really important for people who might be listening and dealing with 30-something panic to know is that change really happens with action. And what I find is that when people are stuck in 30 something panic, it tends to be because they're stuck in either reflection mode, which looks like a lot of thinking about change. This is where perfectionism comes in, thinking Mm -hmm. I have to figure it all out perfectly before I can implement it. And so that's why people never change because they're thinking, I don't know what, what the perfect career is yet for me, so I can't, so I'm stuck. So I just have to stay where I am. Um, And then people can also get in action mode where they're just sort of on the conveyor belt of life and reacting to whatever gets thrown at them and putting out fires, but never pulling on the brakes to actually reflect. We do best when we have a balance of action and reflection in our lives at the same time. And the vast majority of people who are dealing with 30-something panic have spent a lot of time in reflection mode and they're not taking action. So one of the best things you can do if you're listening and you're dealing with 30-something panic and you, you need to move forward is to take action on, you know, take one next tiniest step that's going to get you more information mm-hmm. about, about whatever it is that you're, you're dealing with. It could be to reach out to a coach, right? right. Like the next step could be to find support, but Absolutely. you know, it, it could be, oh, I'm thinking about changing jobs. Let me have, let me have one conversation with somebody about, what they do, right? Or how they, how they work, or maybe, you know, what you want to transition into. And I'm going to spend 10 minutes investigating to find a class, right? That would help me build some skill that I know that I need. It could be anything, but the idea is get yourself into action. Mm -hmm. Do not wait until you know what you need to know to figure out the answer, because if you wait, you might be waiting forever and you will definitely be waiting for a long time. 
Oh, absolutely. And it's so funny because I'm listening to you say all this and I'm like, oh, I know this friend. Oh, I know this one coach. Oh, I, I've been there. I've done that. And I totally lost track of time. So now there's like five minutes left and I still have 50 <laughs> more questions that I want to ask you. So I would love to kind of do like a rapid fire um, Q&A because there's still so much meat to this conversation. And I'm like so curious um, so would you be willing to play in that way? A little rapid. Uh, I can try. I'm not known for my, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a deep goer. I'll try to, I'll try to say really shallow. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Out of the comfort so what, zone. You What? Out of the comfort zone. Let's do this. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll try. What I am an say? improviser. I'll try to tap into my, to my short form improv. What, what would you say is like the biggest mistake that people are making when they're like consistently dealing with that yeah absolutely that relates directly to what we were just talking mm -hmm. about it's believing I have to get it all figured out before I get into action waiting to get started until they figured it out what's the what's your favorite or best book that you've read that supported you in your when you know in this 30 something panic that you had Oh my goodness, that's impossible. I would have to reflect. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember because I think Brene Brown came after that. I, I, I liked her. Uh, there was a book called, um, what was it called? I, there was a book called The Renaissance Soul that I remember pouring over that was about you know people with too many careers to pick just one. I still use that one as a reference all the time when I have a client who is uh, somebody who has too many interests to pin down to just one job. That's a good one. Classic feel the fear and do it anyway. That was That's one that so I remember good. spending some time with. Such a good one. <laughs> so many, so many. <laughs> um, for me, I'm kind of curious, like what is the, um, what do you do when people are stuck in that like fear of the beginner mindset? So maybe they've been in a career for a very long time um, and they just like fear that they're not like qualified to do anything else or they're scared to start over. Like, how do you support people in that way? Yeah, that's obviously not a rapid fire question. It's much deeper, but I can, I can give you a couple of thoughts. One is to say that you are not alone at all in feeling that way. I've heard from so many people, I'm only qualified to do one thing or it's too late to start over. It's too risky. Um, one thing to do that you can do is you need models and mentors. You need to, if you just Google people who changed careers after whatever age, you'll find a goldmine of people who prove that whatever you're thinking is not true. Um, most people are scared or insecure or feel like an imposter at one point or another. And you do really have to feel the fear and do it anyway and accept that uncertainty is uncomfortable. And it's part of the price that you pay to get to make the changes that you want to make. Um, in terms of feeling like experiences in one area, you're not qualified to do anything else you can really change from a deficit mindset to like more of a, a differentiation mindset. So the, the story changes from, I have a deficit cause I don't, you know, I don't have this kind of experience to, Oh, actually the experience I do have differentiates me from other people and starting over is a myth. Your work history, your life history, your relationship history is a gold mine. When I work with people in their thirties, what they eventually see which is what i see from the beginning is that everything that you have done so far is transferable has information has um has has it, it really isn't a deficit it's something that you can use to 
get where you want to go. And then really, you know, the last thing I'll say, and you told me rapid fire, so I can't say a lot of what I'd love to, but, um, you know, ask yourself the question, what's actually riskier? Is it riskier to go through a life-changing career transition or to put myself out there to go through the, you know, dating or to find a partner? Or is it riskier to stay stuck in unhappiness and set myself right. up for the pro- those problems for the rest of my life? You know, this is your one unrepeatable life and you are where you need to be to, to start, to change. I love that. So wonderfully said. What, I know you have a gift or a giveaway for the audience. Would you like to share what you have for us today? Oh, sure. Well, so one thing, if you've been listening to these ideas and you feel like, yeah, I, I think I have 30 something panic and, um, and you'd like a little bit of, of more passive support, helping to, to unpack it on my website, you can go and you can sign up for a free, um, there's like a, a report, three secrets to breaking through 30 something panic. And it really walks you through unpacking your own 30 something panic and starts to support you in doing what I was talking about as that first step is really getting it out on the table and getting, turning up your own motivation and your own clarity. Um, and, and then if you decide that you'd like support, I do offer an introductory session for anybody who is wanting to move from this place of staying stuck in reflection and into action. And you can, contact me. You can either go through my website or you can email me at carrie.spalding at gmail. I'm still a Gmail user. I've got the professional address, but I never use it. Um, So C-A-R-R-I-E dot S-P-A-U-L-D-I-N-G at gmail. Um, And we can get you set up for an introductory session to, um, it's really designed. I I am very uh, strongly feel that any, any, meeting that we have needs to be valuable in and of itself. So it's designed to be, to help you get really clear and more confident than you come into the call and nice. get you set up to move forward. Nice. Awesome. And people can also find you at Carrie. Uh, what, what do we have? So on LinkedIn, it's Carrie Spalding and your business Facebook page, the 30 something coach on Twitter, it's Carrie Spalding and your Instagram is also Carrie Spaulding. So you keep it pretty consistent. So it's either Carrie Spaulding or the 30 something coach. Anything else, any parting thought you want to leave us and the audience with? I I just want to really make sure that anyone who's listening, you know, can, can take away that if you are dealing with 30 something panic, it is not because there's anything wrong with you. It is because Mm -hmm. you are a human. Mm-hmm. And as a human, we come with all of this stuff, right? We come with all of these um, these life experiences, these thoughts, these feelings, these things that can shut us down. And it is really easy um, to have those three in the morning moments where you believe there's something wrong with me. It's too late. I screwed it up. And I can tell you from everybody that I've ever worked with, it's such a common belief. But the reality is that once you get going on this path, to make changes, you are going to discover that everything you've done has, has been leading you perfectly to where you need to go. So there's hope <laughs> and, uh, and get into action, do something. Mm-hmm. Nice. Beautiful. Well, thank you for being here today with me and Clarice. Um, just like so much, if, if you are in your thirties, 
and you are having some 30-something panic, or maybe you're past your 30s and you're having some panic, uh, but it feels like that 30-something panic that we've talked about, Carrie Spaulding, the 30-something coach, is here to support you. And you can find her, like I said, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or CarrieSpaulding.com. And Clarice, thanks for being here with me, subbing for Christopher McAuliffe. Uh, Clarice, mm-hmm. we can find you at youraccountability.coach. And where else can people find you? Um, I'm on Instagram, pieces underscore 0F underscore Reese's. Not consistent, totally fine. And also my <laughs> Facebook is pieces of Reese's as well. Um, yeah, and I have a business page on Facebook, which is Clarice Co-Coaching. Awesome. And you can find me, Alex Terranova, on Instagram at inspirationalalex or at thedreammason.com. And you can get my book, Fictional Authenticity, on Amazon. Thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>